Amen. How are y'all doing this morning? We're blessed, aren't we? Yeah, we're living in the kingdom. And the kingdom's at hand. You know why? Because the kingdom lives in you. Amen. Let's go ahead and just, uh, I'm just going to pray. Father, God, we thank you. God, we just thank you for who you are. Father, I just thank you, God, that every word that comes forth from my mouth, God, carries your weight, your truth, your life. Father, we are so thankful for the gospel. God, we thank you for establishing your heart in us. Father, we thank you for changing our lives. God, we thank you for giving us new perspectives, new ways to see you. Father, and as we see you, God, we're transformed. So God, right now, we just, any weights, any, anything weighing us down, anything that we feel like we're entangled in, God, we just release them by your mercy because mercy triumphs over judgment. So no matter whatever's going on in your life, <laughs> God is greater than your heart. So Father, we just thank you for the power of your life. May we yield our hearts continually every single day to your mercy and your grace. Mm. Because there's so much power in it. May we be walking in living testimonies of your truth abiding in us. So Father, we thank you. We love you. We worship you. And we honor you with our hearts and our minds and every part of our soul. God, we give you our will. God, we give you every part of us because you deserve all the glory. You deserve all the honor. God, we thank you. We love you. You are good. Jesus, that we may we hear your voice today over every other voice. May your voice be loud and clear. God, right now, we just acknowledge you in this place. We've already done it. We're doing it again. Not losing sight of who you are. Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Yeah. Jesus is good. You know, I was thinking about, you could probably turn me down a little bit. Um, you know, when we acknowledge who he is, like Clint's talking about, we acknowledge who we are. Think about it. And so when we acknowledge everything that he is, that's what's true about you, right? Because as he is, so are we in this world. You know, my heart has been, my heart cry has been, 
I want to have your heart, Lord. I want to have your compassion. I want to have your love for people. I want your heart. You know, that's, that's what we need. We need his heart. And it's not something we got to strive or work for. Man, our prayer is that when we look at Jesus, he's so clear. Like we can, we can see him. And when we see Jesus for who he is, we won't want nothing else. I'm telling you. When we see Jesus for how he is, man, we'll lay it all down. We'll surrender everything because he is amazing. It's just the truth. And he can transform every single one of our hearts. You know, I'm so thankful when Paul talks about that God uses the foolish things to confound the wise, the weak things to bring, show the strength of God. You know, because in myself, <laughs> I'm foolish, I'm weak, but I'm not of myself. I carry the, in, the presence of the living God on the inside of me, lacking nothing. I'm complete in Him. And to the, uh, to, to the measure that we recognize that and acknowledge that, is the measure that we will live out in our lives. And so that's, that's why we, we get in the Word. That's, that's why we, we have relationship with Him. That's why, you know, you reproduce what you're intimate with. <laughs> Just saying, we're re reproducing in our life whatever we're intimate with. If we're intimate with worry, man, you're going to reproduce worry in your life. If you're intimate with fear, we're going to reproduce fear in our life. But if you're intimate with love, you are going to reproduce love in your life. And it's not something that we consciously, uh, we consciously make a decision and see it, it's it's this relationship that as we have him in our life, we turn around and we're like, wow, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm operating in more patience than I ever thought I would. You know, people say, you know, you need more patience. Well, love is patient. So you don't need more patience, you need more love. Because if we look at him, we will have everything we need. It's not about you know, segmenting parts of who he is. It's all about just experiencing his love. And as we experience his love, we're going to get the whole package. We're going to get joy. We're going to get peace. We're going to get all of those things in his life. And he's done everything, everything through the finished work of the cross to provide it. Has he not? So our, our, our heart cry, our constant every day is, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. You know, because as the eyes of our heart are being enlightened, we can see everything that he's done for us. We can know our hope. We can know our calling. We can know the inheritance that we have. We can understand the power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. 
man, I want that. I don't know about you. But that power is not just for raising the dead. That power is for a transformed life. That's what I want. I want my life in every single aspect, in body, in soul, in spirit, to reflect the glory of God. I want to know how much it cost. I want to know what the cost and the price of the blood is. Because as I know that, there's a thankfulness, there's a gratitude, and there's an absolute humility in that. When we can see him for how he is. Man, we're the body of Christ. He has given us everything. And what I'm going to talk about today is last week I talked about fighting the good fight of faith, right? A fight, we fight things that we value. Like when we fight, has anybody ever been in a fight here? Yeah, okay, yeah, a few of you, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know I was, when I was a teenager, I fought, for, I fought my best friend for a girl. Why? Man, I was like, man, I don't care if I get beat up. I don't care. I, had, I was having value for somebody. And you're willing to fight for things that you have value for, right? And so fighting the good fight of faith, it's important to understand that it's worth it, that it's worth the fight. Because there are going to be many opportunities for all of us to, grow, to get weak, uh, to, to, to need strength in our life. Amen. <laughs> but there are going to be many opportunities, right? Do not grow faint. Do not grow weary, right? There's going to be plenty of opportunities. But the more that in our hearts we, we reveal the value of this gospel and what it means for us, man, we'll fight. <laughs> we will fight. And this isn't fighting the devil. It's, it's fighting every thought, every imagination, everything that's contrary to the obedience of Christ and what he's paid for. You know, if we're fighting the devil, we don't fight the devil, we submit to God. And as we submit to God, we resist the devil. If you try resisting the devil, you're in a fight with him. Before submitting to God, you're going to lose every time. Period. If you don't surrender your life and walk in humility and you try to fight the devil, he's going to, uh, as Andrew Walmack says, he's going to eat your lunch and pop the back. He will. And so we have to learn that this fight, oh, it's worth fighting. And you're not fighting alone. There's a grace in your life to do it. Paul said, I think it's at the end of Colossians, he says, I don't toil in my own strength. I don't do anything in my own strength. It's God working through me that I'm able to do what I do. And as we... It's as simple as looking at him and giving ourselves to him 
and the secret place. You know what? That's where faith is formed. Faith is formed. As you behold him and you're in the secret place of your heart, wherever that may be, it may be in your car, it may be while you're walking, it, you may have a closet or wherever it is, but that's where we establish strength. That's where we establish faith. It's, Father, I thank you. God, I see these things in my life and these things don't belong there. But I thank you today I am being transformed. God, my life isn't the same today as it was yesterday. God, I am being transformed. These things, they're not a part of me. These things don't define me. But your word defines who I am. Your truth defines who I am. Man, we have an identity crisis. As he is, so are we in this world. Think Jesus is... You, what do you think? How do you think Jesus feels? Jesus' life is an invitation for each one of us to experience his life. We partook of communion, right? Partaking of his body, partaking of his blood. That's his life. That's what we do. When we take communion, we're, we're believing. We're believing that when we partake of his body and his blood, his life, his very life essence, what caused him to move and have his being, it's in us. That's why we partake of him. It's not just to do something because do something, but it's, there's life in that. Every part of life, healing, deliverance, freedom from everything that's contrary to his truth. So I'm going to talk about, I want to go ahead and throw that uh, 1 Timothy 6.11 up. It says, but you, man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Say, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold. <laughs> Lay hold. Do not let go. Lay hold of it. In eternal life, Jesus says, this is eternal life, knowing me. It's having that relationship with him. That's eternal life. Lay hold of it. Do not let it go. Let Jesus be the anchor of our life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So I'm going to read Revelation. This is 12:11. And this is how we overcome, right? This is, we're fighting the good fight. This is how we overcome. And they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And usually everybody that's where it stops. Right? Someone will get up and say, We overcome by the power of the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. But they don't read the rest of it. And they did not love their lives to the death. Wow, that's a strong word. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Why? Because He cleansed us, He presents us 
holy. He presents us blameless. He uh, presents us above reproach, above condemnation, above guilt, above accusation. And so we're free. That's why we overcome. That The blood of the Lamb cleanses our conscience of every evil, evil work. That's what the blood of the Lamb does. And by the word of their testimony, it's not just the testimony of when you got saved. The testimony that we overcome by is the testimony of our life lived. Just is. Our life. Looking unto him is a testimony unto the world that Jesus is alive. Amen. You know, there is way, if you, if you just look at the testimony, if you, we look at the cloud of witnesses that's talked about in Hebrews 12, there's a cloud of witnesses that went before us, and people all the time are walking, fighting this good fight of faith. It's proof and evidence that this is a fight worth fighting. Like, it just proves above anything else, we got to get this. Like, this is valuable and this is important. And they did not love their lives to the death. So I wanted to talk about Stephen, the first martyr. And Stephen is an example of this. You know, this is shortly after, um, after Jesus' uh, crucifixion, his resurrection, and people, uh, this is in Acts, people grabbed a hold of the message. And it talks about Stephen. It says he was a man full of grace and full of power. And he went about healing, healing people. He was walking just like Jesus in his life. And the religious Pharisees got mad. They got upset with, with the way that he was living. Man, it's the devil, man. You know, them crucifying Jesus. I mean, Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. Why would anybody... Crucify a man that only does good and heals the broken. Why? It's because they, they're blind. They can't see. And Stephen is such a, an amazing, he's called the first martyr. Amazing example of overcoming by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his testimony. And not loving his own life unto death. You know, we think like, uh, you know, because there are people, as we all know, there are people in other places in this world, people are, they're dying for, for believing, right? It's just, it just, it's happening, right? But you know what I'm, what I think the more power is, I think it's not, it's not the significance in the death, it's significance in the life that they lived. Because it's not about when they lost their life, it's about the life they lived on the way losing their life. That's the testimony. 
That, that's the power of it, right? And so th- it says this in Acts 7, uh, 55, and Stephen, this is my translation out of, um, it's like the Weist translation, I think. And it says, and Stephen being under the control of the Holy Spirit, having fixed his gaze into heaven, saw God's glory and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens which have been opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. So they brought Stephen in. They brought him into a trial. And this is, what he, this is, his confess, this is what's going on. And they cried out with a loud voice. And it says they gnashed at their teeth for him saying this. And I just see, man, this is, this is life, man. This is power. In the face of all adversity, in the face of every circumstance, he full of the Holy Spirit gazed, it says, fixed into heaven and saw the glory of God, Jesus standing at the right hand of God. May that be our confession every single day of our life, that our eyes are fixed on him and that we see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You know? And they, they went to stone him. They went to pick up stones and stone Stephen. And it says that he said, Father, forgive them for what they know not they do. He's forgiving them in the midst of this trial in the midst of this adversity, in the midst of the... I wonder where he learned this from. You know, we don't even know if Stephen knew Jesus personally. You know, Jesus said before he went, it's better that I go so the Holy Spirit can come. Right? It's more to your advantage that's hard for our five senses to, to believe, right? It's better that Jesus not be here in the flesh, be present. I don't know about Jesus. You must have misunderstood. That's what it says, and it's because of his spirit, his spirit living on the inside of us. And so they stoned Stephen, but guess who was, who was there? The apostle Paul. And I am under um, the impression that the Stevens or the Pauls are not made without the Stevens. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Imagine if Stephen hadn't done what he did. Imagine if Stephen didn't live the life that he lived. Would there be Apostle Paul? It's a good question. You know, Apostle Paul is sitting there watching Stephen be stoned, and this man's got a, <laughs> he's got a glare on his face. He's smiling. He's, he's seeing God. He's not even feeling the pain of the stones. You know, we don't have to experience the pain of life, the sting of life with our eyes fixed on him. 
Man, when we look at him, we're a light. Not everybody may see it, but those that do will be changed. Fight the good fight of faith. We have the privilege to fight this fight. And it's not in our own strength. It's not in our own ability. But it's in his, his grace, his power. And we don't do it from a place. We do it from a place of rest. You know, we talked about it before. That in order to stand, you first, we first have to be at rest. That rest, that place, that's that yielding to him. That's that building that relationship and that intimacy with him. And when we establish that rest in our lives, and the devil comes, he says, there's nothing in me, man. There's nothing that you can get from me. I'm already submitted to God. I'm already surrendered my life to him. There's nothing you, I mentioned like last Last Sunday about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego going to the fire. They said, you know, go ahead. Our God's going to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Right? It's a strong word. But there's so much life. The, the fullness of Christ, it rests in this humility. It rests in this surrender. It says, this is 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says, for the love of Christ compels us. It's the love of Christ that compels us to, I mean, without love, Stephen couldn't have done that, right? It's impossible. You know, I, I said it again last Sunday. The Christian life is not only hard, it's impossible. And it's like, oh my God, I thought I was doing so good. <laughs> the point is we, we yield to him and we surrender him, surrender to him, and we recognize our dependence. You know, it's incredible that Jesus was dependent on God all the time. Think about it. <laughs> He's Jesus. He's the Son of God. You think, what do I need to be dependent on the Father for? Right? I'm the Son of God. I have everything I need. Right? But Jesus was an example showing us that he's a man, both a man and the Son of God. And showing that if, if Jesus had to be dependent on the Father... Just saying, if Jesus had to live his life in constant dependence on God the Father, man, it's a privilege. Man, he's good. He's a father, and he loves us. Thank you, Jesus. So it says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. 
And that's just saying, you know what? I'm compelled by love because he died for one and he died for all. Everybody has the same price tag. Right? That's why I'm compelled by love. I, I'm, I'm no better than you. We're, we're, all, we're all the same. We all have the price tag of the blood of Jesus. Right. Amen. There you go. I'm preaching again. It's the mouth of one or two witnesses. Yes. For right? Yeah. We're compelled by love because towards people, having compassion towards people, it's, it's really a, it's always a value thing. You know, and that's why we, the eyes of our heart being enlightened, it's just like when the eyes of our heart are enlightened, we see what God values. You know, I talked about um, months ago, about, talked about the blood, trusting in the value of God's blood. You know, if we want the effective work of the blood to work on our life, then we just have the same value that God has for it, Right? Think about how much value God has on the blood. He goes crazy about the blood, right? He loves it. He loves what Jesus did. He, he can't contain it, and he didn't, right? We're so in love with what Jesus has done. We can't contain it, and it just spills over into our life. So we're compelled by love. And it says this, um, out of the Amplified, this is 2 Corinthians 5.16. It says, consequently, um, from now on, I'm reading out of the Amplified Classic. Consequ consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view. In terms of natural standards of value, no. Even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man... Yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. And so we no longer, because of this truth, we no longer just look at people for flesh. We just no longer look at people from a human point of view. You know, I like to look at it as we look at every single person as a kindergarten kid. <laughs> you know, that diffuses a lot of things if we looked at people like that, right? You know, all that pain and all that nastiness and all that stuff that comes out of us. I, would, I think that's what God looks at me like sometimes, just a child, right? It diffuses a lot of things if we just looked at people like that. But we're all children of God, and we can all see each other like that, you know? That's good. Amen. All right, so I wanted to talk about the purpose of faith. This is Colossians 3, verse 1 through 4. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting, sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Verse 3. For you died. <laughs> it's the Bible. <laughs> you died. You died. Do we know that we died? 
When he died, we died with him. Old motivations, old mindsets, thinking for ourselves, died. It died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. You know, there's a proverb that says, for it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. And what I believe, I've never seen this verse like this, is that God is not hiding things from us. God is hiding things for us. Think about like Easter or something. You're, you're, you're hiding eggs, and, and as a parent, you're hiding eggs anticipation for them to find the eggs, right? You're not hiding the eggs so they'll never find them. You're hiding them, but you have such anticipation, such an excitement for them to go searching for it. And I believe that God has that same excitement for us. There are things that are hidden, but they're not hidden from us, but they're hidden for us. Because we can seek it out. And as we seek it out, Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's a right now word. Like, that's not like, in the by and by, the sweet by and by, I'll appear with him in glory. No, it's when, you, when we seek out his life, when we seek out, everything that he is that belongs to us, then we'll appear with him in glory. And you'll look back and say, whoa, what happened to me? What's going on? Huh? It's, Je it's Jesus. It's his fault. <laughs> yeah, it's his fault. Amen. So counting the cost, Luke 14, 1428 says this, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? And I just bring up that scripture to say, you know, fighting the good fight of faith, we count the cost. You know, Jesus says some, like, really strong language, uh, some previous verses before this really strong language. He says, if you do not hate your mother, hate your father, hate your brothers and sisters, you cannot be a disciple of mine. You're like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. That sounds really harsh. But you have to understand what he's saying. Now look at it like this. So we talked about in many places in the world, there's persecution, right? And for and the Kretzis would know this, you know, just being in Nepal, I'm sure it was, it's very much like this. For you to confess as a Christian, as a believer, to give your life, to make Jesus Lord, be baptized into his life, you might have to forsake your family because your family may not accept you. You may be outcasted. So that's what Jesus is referring to. He's not saying, you know, your mom, just write her bad letters and tell her bad things. 
Just hate on her. Hate on your hate on people. No, he's not saying that. He's saying in, in, in view of who I am and what I have to offer, let me have prominence in your life. Right? Let me be first place in your life above every single thing. That's what he's saying. He's not, he's not saying hate your mother and your father. He's saying, do you, are you willing to count the cost? Are we willing to count the cost of what it means to fight the good fight of faith? You know, we've made it really easy in this country to receive Jesus. You know, it's hard. It is hard. But that's why we need him. That's why we need his grace. That's why we need the infusing of his life and his power on the inside of us. I've just learned, you know what? It's not, I don't need all my circumstances to be nice. Right? I don't need faith to make my life have perfect perfect circumstances. I am realizing in my own life, man, I just want to look like him. No matter what's going on, telling you, there's nothing more rewarding that whatever Paul or James said, count it all joy when you enter into trial and tribulation. And we know those don't come from God. What could compel somebody and provoke somebody to say, count it all joy? Well, that's nice, but you don't know what I'm going through. I'm saying there's such a power and there's a perspective shift that can happen in our lives that we can truly and honestly Honestly, from the sincerest part of our heart, be able to count it all joy. No matter the circumstance. No matter what's going on. That's what, that's what Stephen was doing. Fixed his eyes on Jesus. Was he not counting it all joy? We think, and you know, when we hear about Jesus, we think, well, it's just Jesus. Well, here's another man. Stephen doing the same exact thing. And so it's not special to Jesus. It's special to everyone who believes. Jesus said in John 6, 6 they asked, what is the work that we can do? He said, believe. Believe. I'm going to end with this. This is Matthew 18, and I don't have it up there because... This is um, the Passion Translation. But you can, if you want to pull out your phones, you can read along with me. And I titled, subtitled this, The Greatest in the Kingdom. Do you want to know what Jesus says about the greatest in the kingdom? He says this, At that time, the disciples came to ask Jesus, Who is considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm. They always ask these questions. <laughs> Am I greater or is he greater? And Jesus is like, 
well, whoever's the greatest will be the least, right? And he says, Jesus called. I love this. We have a, we have a three-year-old daughter today. She is, she turned three today. It's awesome. Summer grace. Jesus called a little one to his side and said to them, learn this well. Unless you dramatically, listen to this, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. You know, honestly, what God is doing in my life is to, honestly, today I feel like I know nothing. (laughs) Serious. I, I just, every day it's like, oh my goodness, like, there's so much more. I feel like I have nothing, but it causes me to consistently hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're supposed to be like a child, like full of amazement, like where you can ride the same ride every time and be amazed. (laughs) That's like the child's heart. Like it doesn't get old. It doesn't get boring. It's our view. It's our mind. It's the way that we see. God, open the eyes of my heart. Because he's here right now. It just is. You will never be able to enter in. Whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. And if you tenderly care for this little one on my behalf, you are, tender, you are tenderly caring for me. Being a child is about your heart being bigger than your head. We know so much, but if we just let our hearts be big before him and become like a child, we'll enter in what Jesus says is the greatest in the kingdom. Right? I'm going to end here. Just think about when you first got saved. When you first encountered Jesus and you gave your life to him, how much did you know, really? If you were like me, you didn't know diddly squat. Grew up in church, but I didn't know anything. And I feel like God wants us to have that same heart when we said yes to him. That childlike, wonder-eyed child. That's where, that's the victory. That's why we fight. We fight this fight because it's worth fighting. Because he gives us everything that we need. And he just calls us like a child. And there may be some things in our life that we have to let go, that we need to receive deliverance and freedom from. 
But it, oh, it's truth is what sets us free, not ministry. Truth sets us free. It's the truth that we know that will set us free. And I'd rather aim high and miss it every time than aim low and settle. And let our hearts be established in his love and his grace for us so that we can move into that. Because if we are constantly hearing, but, but, but God, or but my life, or but this, it just shows that we're not established in his love. When we're established in his love and his mercy and his grace, that's the place that we can run from. And that's the place where we can experience transformation and life. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for your voice. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you, God, just for helping us see more of how valuable this is. Thank you, Father, for the grace, the supernatural grace of your life. God, that even if we're not feeling it, even if, we're, even if all our circumstances say otherwise, God, we thank you that you do not change, that you remain the same, that you are constant. God, I missed everything going on in this world. Our hope is in you. Our hope is not in anything else because your hope in you does never disappoints. So God, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this family. God, we thank you that we can spur one another on, encourage one another. Hey, let's run this race. Let's do this thing. And we can do it with a smile on our face regardless of whatever is happening. So, Father, we yield to that, God. We fight the good fight for our marriage. We fight the good fight for our kids. We fight the good fight for our loved ones, for people around us, God. We don't fight the good fight for just us, but for people that are broken in need of this life, of this light, Thank you, God. Give us your heart of compassion for people. Let us be compelled by love. God, thank you, God, for the grace of your truth. If you want to stand up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I just speak the peace of God over each person here. I thank you. Thank you for being you. You can be you. <laughs> you know that you can be you. You know, fighting this fight doesn't mean you have to be somebody else. Fighting this fight is being who you are always meant to be. 
as a child free. Not having stuff weigh us down, but living in the freedom of Christ. Laying our lives down. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here today and letting me share my heart. I love you guys. Y'all have a great Sunday. Thank you. Yeah.